0: The Two out of every three graduating high school students think the three branches of government are Democrat, Republican, and Independent. Uh, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious, actually.
1: This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network.
2: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. My co-host, J. Craig Williams, is in court today and unable to join us. Uh, we would like to thank our sponsors. As always, SunTrust, a company that offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and law firms. You can find them at suntrust.com slash law. And Clio, the web-based practice management solution available at goclio.com. Well, a 2009 nationwide study commissioned by the nonpartisan organization, the American Revolution Center, uh, found that while more than three-quarters of Americans knew that the Constitution begins with the words, we the people, only slightly more than half, about 57%, knew that the Bill of Rights is part of the Constitution. Civic education is vital to developing the skills and dispositions that young people need to succeed in the 21st century, and our guest today is here to tell us about his fight to bring civic education to our schools and to the people of our nation. Uh, Today, we're going to talk with Stephen and Zach. Stephen is, of course, the president of the American Bar Association. We're going to talk with him about his commission on civic education in the nation's schools, the Constitution, and civic engagement, and inspiring is also his work to inspire the Latino community to enter the legal profession through his Commission on Hispanic Legal Rights and Responsibility. Uh, Steve, uh, in addition to president of the American Bar Association, is a partner in the national law firm Boies, Schiller, and Flexner. He is uh, president of the ABA through August. He's the first Hispanic and first Cuban-American to achieve this distinction. Steve has uh, four initiatives he's looking, he's focusing on during his, his term as president uh, access to justice and the underfunding of the judiciary, uh, the need for increased civic education in our schools and for all Americans, Hispanic legal rights and responsibilities, and the ABA's work in the area of disaster response and preparedness. So let me welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer, Steve Zach.
0: Oh, well, it's good to be back.
2: Yeah, it's it's great to have you, and I appreciate you taking time out of your 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 very busy schedule. Uh, and last time you were here, uh, you we we talked about uh, one of your top initiatives, which is the Commission on Civic Education in the Nation's Schools. Uh, tell us now uh, about the status of this commission and the progress that you've made in bringing this about.
0: Well, it's well on its way. Uh, the commission has been formed, and uh, we have such a distinguished people advising us, such as Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, helping us, who has devoted uh, much of uh, her efforts uh, in the recent years to this exact subject. And she probably says it better than anybody, where she says, uh, uh, the knowledge of our Constitution and uh, civic education is not transferred in the gene pool, that it has to be taught uh, to each uh, new generation. We know that's a fact based on uh, recent studies that uh, we uh, have received, and uh, which have been given some uh, wide publicity, and that is that two out of every three graduating high school students think the three branches of government are Democrat, Republican, and Independent. Uh, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious, actually. Uh, I truly I really believe that the lack of understanding of the respective roles in our government is in some ways at the root of uh, the discord that uh, we see uh, in the country because there's a failure to understand that there are very distinct roles that each of those branches of government play. Uh, we also have statistics that uh, say that uh, 75% of all Americans uh, don't know that religious freedom is protected uh, in the Bill of Rights. a matter of fact, uh, there was a candidate running for public office recently that didn't know that fact. We also know that more Americans can name uh, the judges on American Idol than can name one justice on the Supreme Court of the United States. Obviously, the situation has become uh, quite uh, severe, and uh, this did not happen by accident. I mean, a lot of people are probably scratching their heads right now saying, you know, how did we get here? And what happened is that uh, some unintended consequences of us as a nation focusing on science and in math, in recent years, meant that civic education wasn't tested in our high schools. So when it wasn't tested, it became an elective. And in some high schools, you can graduate uh, and never even have a course on American civics.
2: Well, why is why is this so important for Americans to to understand uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, the, the political system? Uh, why have you made this a priority of your of your term as president?
0: Well, a lot of it comes from my own personal experience. Uh, when I came from Cuba in 1961, a lot of people don't realize that the Cuban Constitution was identical to that of uh, the United States. A matter of fact, I keep a copy of the Cuban Constitution, both in English and Spanish, on my desk to remind me of that fact, because we thought the words were going to protect us. The words are just words, and uh, they don't protect you unless you understand what the uh, the obligations are. And if your kids are like my kids, they can always tell me what their rights are, but they never quite understand what their obligations are. And that's the generation that we're going to be depending on to preserve and protect our liberty.
2: You you mentioned – you made reference to uh, the recent uh – Election cycle we we just went through and 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 there was of course a a, a famous uh, now scene or notorious anyway a uh, scene out of out of one of the debates in, in which there was a discussion about about the First Amendment um, how can the American Bar Association play a role in, in enhancing civil civics education I mean besides you know em- emphasizing the importance of it practically speaking what can the ABA do to help bring this about.
0: Well, we can't wait for somebody else to do it. We have to accept the responsibility that we have and the unique role that lawyers play in our society uh, and the knowledge that they have regarding uh, the Constitution and the basis of all our uh, civil liberties. And we are uh, establishing the American Bar Academy. Uh, The American Bar Academy is going to go into high schools uh, around the country to teach civics. Uh, Lawyers uh, who are members of the American Bar Association, have been volunteering volunteering in in droves, frankly, uh, who want to go and spend several days uh, in the high schools uh, giving some fundamental education on civics. We plan to have a several-day course. Uh, The curriculum is one that uh, we're working with uh, people such as the Annenberg Foundation and Justice O'Connor and other groups so that we have a... A uh, good curriculum that can be delivered in a uh, understandable and uh, fairly uh, short period of time to get the uh, rudimentary facts uh, to this generation.
2: It sounds like I mean I've I, you know we've probably all seen uh, efforts by our local bars on on law day around the country to to get lawyers to go into the classroom and and uh, you know. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about what they do, it sounds like what you're talking about is something uh, more ambitious and more structured than that.
0: It is, though we also are going to tie it into Law Day. Uh, as president, I uh, have the privilege of uh, deciding the theme of Law Day, which I can uh, announce here for the first time, uh, and that is uh, the legacy of John Adams from Concord to Guantanamo. And that will be an opportunity for students to understand Uh, the role in our society of defending uh, people's right to say things that we we just don't agree with. Um, And that in some instances, we find repugnant. Uh, Justice Kennedy, uh, in the flag-burning case in Texas, uh, spoke exactly to that point where he said, we find these uh, ideas, uh, many of us find them repugnant, if not most of us, Uh, but we still have to give people the right to uh, have freedom of speech, which is critical to our democracy.
2: So, Law Day will focus on on the First Amendment and freedom of speech. And I, I assume that—I I mean, I would gather that's probably something that that uh, uh, comes from your your uh, background coming out of Cuba as well. Your experience from Cuba,
0: very, very much so. I mean, I I'm fortunate because I have uh, a I have an American father and a Cuban mother. My mother came to the states from Cuba to to go to college, and where she met my father and. Um, And I um, have the experience of of, uh, both cultures, Um, but uh, I know that in Cuba, for example, before uh, the Castro regime, uh, we would speak Spanish or English on the street um, without hesitation, back and forth. Um, And as soon as Castro came in, we were told that we shouldn't speak English, for example, that that was dangerous. And, you know, that goes to the very fundamental issue of, uh, of freedom of speech. Even which language you use in talking about things,
2: right? You've suggested that, as part of this, that there be a, a national. If, if I understand this correctly, that there be a national civics test to test Americans' understanding of basic rights and responsibilities and citizenship. Can you tell me more about that?
0: Uh, it's not meant to be a um, test in the in the sense that uh, maybe some high school students think about it. More in line like uh, a, a parade a magazine test with a, a dozen questions that we would. Uh, Talk about at our dining room tables um, where we would discuss uh, different fundamental questions uh, so that we have a dialogue between um, parents and their children. Frankly, we would like to bring the issue of civics back to the dining room table, into the workplace, and to the schools um, so that uh, we can have uh, full involvement from the family because that's the only way that there's going to be any real. Uh, appreciation of how important civics is.
2: I understand also as part of this that the ABA is pushing for a, a competitive grants program for innovative civic education initiatives, uh, it, and uh, especially, well, again, as I understand it, is sort of testing, uh, perhaps a, a competency level testing in, in certain grades. Uh, regarding knowledge of, of civics. Um, can you tell me more about that?
0: Well, certain states, uh, including Florida, have already adopted that kind of procedure um, as part of their curriculum. And a matter of fact, I'm from Miami and the school board uh, in Dade County just adopted a similar program. Uh, we have within the ABA uh, organization called the National Conference of Bar Presidents, which is a group of all the state uh, and local bar associations in the country. And we are urging that uh, they petition, uh their legislatures and their local school boards to bring civics back to the curriculum as mandatory. You know, when you and I went to school, uh, ninth grade was devoted to civics. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there was a very robust discussion of, of these issues, but unfortunately that doesn't exist today.
2: I guess we could probably talk a lot about why that is uh, and... Uh, but but to what extent is, is the economy playing into what, what the schools can do in this sense, in this regard?
0: Well, one of the good things about the American Bar Ac- uh, Academy is they're not going to cost a nickel to any school board. Uh, this is strictly voluntary uh, work done by lawyers on a pro bono basis, and the curriculum is also uh, being provided on a pro bono basis. But when you look at um, – you, know, you when, whenever you have difficult economic times, you have to uh, decide – uh, what is important and what isn't important um and uh, frankly uh civic education needs to be at the top of that list as opposed to the bottom right you know whether uh we're gonna have another uh gym class or whether we're gonna have a civics class seems to be a pretty easy uh discussion, <laughs>
2: not in every school, but
0: <laughs> not in every school <laughs> but
2: it should be and and, I
0: guess. and most certainly not if you ask the students
2: <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> Exactly, uh, but so I, I want to move on to talking about some of your other initiatives and some of the other programs that you're working on. But I, I before we do that, I, I wonder if you could tell me uh, kind of where where this where the civics initiative is in, in terms of its its development, and and if there are lawyers out there listening who themselves would like to get more involved in this, or perhaps on a local basis become involved. How would they go about doing that?
0: Uh, it's, it's very easy. Uh, first of all, the commission has been formed and authorized, and we've uh, put uh, several hundred thousand dollars into seed money uh, so that we can make sure that we have uh, adequate resources. The ABA has always had a civic education um, group, uh, which is now much expanded. A woman named Mabel McKinney-Brown can be reached at the ABA. You can go online to uh, abanet.org and uh, get that information, or um, the two co-chairs, one is uh, Marna Tucker. In Washington D.C. and uh, Paulette Brown, um, they can be reached, or people can just pick up the phone and or email me and uh, let me know they want to be involved.
2: Now, uh, Friday on Friday of this week, on November twelfth uh, in Chicago, uh, the Commission on Hispanic Legal Rights and Responsibilities will have its first regional hearing. Um, I understand you'll be speaking there as well as a a, a roster of of uh, eminent uh, eminent panelists uh, appearing there during the day but uh, tell us uh, i know that this is one of your core initiatives and one of the things that you uh, were focused on uh, wanted to focus on uh, before you took office uh, tell us about the the commission on hispanic legal rights and responsibilities overall what its goals are and what's happening with this hearing on friday
0: well actually it's a core mission of the ABA the ABA has four primary uh, missions one is diversity And we have a diversity center within the ABA that uh, focuses on issues like pipeline issues and uh, minority uh, scholarships and minority clerkships and a a wide range of areas um, that promote diversity. Uh, The diversity center, of course, is made up of all ethnicities. And uh, we looked at uh, the fact that the Hispanic population is uh, today the largest minority in the United States. A statistic that um, may be of some interest to, to the listeners is that uh, uh, every month for the next 20 years, 30,000 Hispanic Americans will turn 18 years of age. Uh, that's a tremendous uh, shift in demographics. And by the year 2050, one out of every four uh, Americans will have some uh, Spanish he- uh, heritage. Um with that in mind, and the fact that you have about, oh, depending on who's counting, somewhere between 18 and 20 percent of America today has Hispanic uh, origin, that um, only four percent of our profession uh, is Hispanic, only four percent are lawyers. Um, it's about the same percentage for judges and teachers, prof- law, law professors. And that's just unacceptable. Uh, we know um, that our profession has to mirror our society at, at every level in order to maintain the respect of the citizens uh, for the rule of law. So, uh, and, and, and one of the surprising things is that um, there has up to now not been a national commission bringing together all the different Hispanic communities. Um, and you know, there are, there are a vast uh, array of Hispanic communities uh, in the United States and different Hispanic cultures. But to sit down at the same table and talk about issues affecting um, uh, Hispanics is something that's long overdue. The three chairmen, for example, of this commission are Governor Bill Richardson. He'll be there in Chicago um, on Friday. Uh, Senator Mel Martinez, who, uh, as you know, um, was uh, senator from Florida and and chairman of the Republican Party. And actually, he and I came over from Cuba at the same time and longtime friends. And finally, um, you know, Emilio Estefan, uh, who um, isn't even a lawyer, but came to me and said that this was so important that he wanted to be involved, and Emilio will probably reach out and touch more Hispanics and uh, all the other lawyers combined, but uh, it, it rises to that level of importance. Uh, Cesar Alvarez, uh, who's managing partner of one of the uh, largest and most prestigious firms in America... Uh, Greenberg-Trowley is uh, also uh, one of the chairmen and working with a whole range of uh, people to make sure that we have a very full hearings in different parts of the country to take testimony and figure out what needs to be done. There are lots of issues. I mean, just the language issue is, uh, is one that we have focused on recently uh, with notario fraud. The word uh, notario uh, means something completely different in South America. Um, in Spanish-speaking countries. A notario has a, is a, a person who's gone through significant training, has a code of uh, conduct and code of ethics, and um, is a prominent person. Where in the United States, you know, for a couple hundred dollars, you become a notary. And if you go to somebody thinking that they have this uh, expertise that they would have uh, somewhere outside the United States, and, for example, they help you or try to help you with uh, citizenship papers, and they mess it up, You'll never be a citizen. So, a lot of things like that are are coming to uh, be discussed. We also have issues uh, in the uh, language area. Um, for example, uh, Miranda warnings that uh, we recently received a testimony that, uh, for example, a translation of one of the Miranda warnings uh, ended up by saying that this is an opportunity for you to whitewash your statement. <laughs> that was the translation, obviously an <laughs> improper translation. So um, there are numerous issues uh, affecting uh, the uh, Hispanics in America from a legal perspective that um, we are going to review, and again, it's part of our uh, core mission on diversity.
2: Steve, stay with us. We have to take a short break right now. We'll be back uh, in just a few moments with more from Steven Zach, the president of the American Bar
1: Association. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and wading through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com slash legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC.
3: Hi, my name is Kate Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the role of security in cloud computing. Jack, what about security? Are there any ethical or security-related concerns that need to be addressed with cloud computing?
0: We're starting to see the first ethics opinions come out on cloud computing and the early proposed ethics opinions like that from the North Carolina State Bar indicate that there are no ethical issues relating to the use of cloud computing in a law firm, but that as with the use of any third party provider, an appropriate amount of due diligence needs to be undertaken to verify that the provider you're using has implemented an adequate level of security and privacy precautions and is essentially taking due care with your confidential client data.
3: We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you.
0: And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O ocom It's the office calling
3: again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegaledCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE.
1: That's perfect. The office can wait.
2: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi. My co-host, J. Craig Williams, is in court today and unable to be with us. We're talking with Stephen and Zach, the president of the American Bar Association, about uh, several of the initiatives that he has pushed forward uh, during his term as president. And we're talking uh, uh, in particular uh, about the uh, Commission on Hispanic Legal Rights and Responsibilities and it's uh, you're, Steve. You're talking about the the ABA's uh, commitment to encouraging diversity, but as I look at uh, the agenda for this meeting on Friday, it, uh, it's more than just diversity. I mean, you're you're really getting into some of the legal issues that Hispanics face, and and I remember from talking to you once before that that. Uh, these issues are perhaps, in some ways, distinct from issues perhaps that other minorities might face, or or take on different, uh, uh, you know, different um, angles perhaps than uh, than some others might face. I mean, can you can you talk about that a little bit? How how are the issues that uh, Hispanics face, legal issues they face, unique or different uh, from those other minorities might face?
0: Well, it uh, they have more in common with other minority issues than they have differences. Um, usually, when you have a failure to um, integrate uh, diverse parts of our culture into the legal system—they—they uh, they, they tend to cross uh, all all the lines. But uh, Hispanics do have some unique uh, issues. One obviously is the language issue, um, and another one is uh, the issue of immigration, uh, where even though um, you know the the citizens we're talking about. Uh, Uh, the percentage of Americans are American citizens, Um, there are still a lot of Hispanics in different parts of the country. You know about the Arizona law, and you know about similar type of efforts around the country that affect uh, immigration. And um, the American Bar Association just uh, put together the most extensive review of the immigration process in the last 50 years. We spent 15,000 pro bono hours putting together a report, which anybody can get a copy of uh, online. And uh, that was just issued several months ago. And some of the frustration that you sense, and people can understand the frustration in the immigration areas that a lot of people say, well, there's just nothing we can do. And the American Bar Association has a particular report that says uh, there's a lot we can do, and there's a way of fixing our immigration system uh, while protecting our borders.
2: What, what will be the purpose of the hearing on Friday, and I assume since it says it's an inaugural regional hearing that there will be others coming down the road. What, why are you holding hearings on these issues, and, and what will be the outcome of those hearings?
0: Uh, this is consistent with what we've done in, historically in the ABA. The first thing we want to make sure is we know what the facts are and that we give people an opportunity to tell us what their experiences are in the, in the real world and uh, how uh, the law is interacting uh, with their lives. So uh, we did this for the Women's Commission. You know, we have a very uh, extensive women's commission uh, dealing with uh, women issues um, that goes back some 20 years. Uh, We've done that when it came to uh, judicial issues like merit selection and things of that nature. So we always have a hearing process to make sure we we find out the information. At that point, um, recommendations are submitted by resolution to the House of Delegates. The ABA operates... Uh, through a deliberative body of 560 lawyers from every state, every aspect of the legal profession, all political persuasions. The ABA is non political, but there are people in the House who are obviously from every uh, spe- part of the spectrum of politics and um, every ethnicity, and it's fully debated, and then uh, resolutions are either uh, adopted or rejected. Those that are adopted then are sent to, to our Washington office where we have our government affairs office. Uh, where we in turn uh, lobby for legislation to correct problems. And, um, for example, the president of the ABA doesn't make any of those decisions. Uh, the president is a spokesperson for uh, the association, and he speaks on matters that uh, the ABA has passed resolutions on.
2: Steve, I, I I don't know. I know that you've been very busy, and I don't know how much of this uh, you, you may or may not have followed, but uh, among legal bloggers, anyway, for the last couple of weeks, a, a, uh, a topic of much discussion has been the ABA Commission on Ethics 2020, uh, which has put out a... Uh, call for uh, discussion on some of the ethical issues surrounding lawyers use of the internet blogs Twitter uh, social networking uh, Facebook that kind of thing um, and uh, it, it, there have been there's been a response from some uh, bloggers and and some uh, uh, some who are active uh, among the legal profession uh, in social media and online, uh, say that, uh, the ABA should essentially keep its hands out of this and and, uh, and uh, you know uh, not try and regulate lawyers' use of the internet. Uh, others are saying this is perfectly uh, uh, you know appropriate and exactly what the ABA should be doing is providing some guidance uh, in, in this area. Uh, have you been aware of this debate at all over the last couple of weeks? And if so, uh, what do you have to say about it?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm very much aware of it and very much involved in it in the sense that uh, this is a ethics 2020 was. Uh, a three-year commitment by the ABA. Uh, Carol Lamb established it last year. Uh, I am continuing it in my year, and it'll be a final uh, final year will be next year where Bill Robinson has agreed to continue it. And there are a wide range of topics that they're looking at, um, not just the social networking issues, which I'll touch on to, on a second. But uh, the ABA was formed 130 years ago only for two purposes. Uh, one, to, uh, have a higher level of legal education. And two, to establish a, uh, model code of ethics for the profession. And that's still, uh, its fundamental purpose for being. Uh, so, uh, the, uh, I, I often, uh, comment in, in that we have two generations in America today. We have the Facebook generation and we have the facelift generation. And it seems like uh, that touches a chord when I say that to people um, because we've got a. Uh, everyone seems to know that the, these two generations uh, are uh, out there and we're trying to uh, communicate better. Uh, and there's no question that the technology and the practice of law is going to be the motivating uh, force behind how we practice. Uh, when you and I uh, started practicing law, we hung up our shingle. Today, a graduating uh, law student registers their domain name. Uh, I've spoken at uh, dozens of uh, law schools around the country and uh, taken questions from those law students, and they know how important technology is going to be in their future. Um, The uh, other bar associations around the world, um, and I participated in conversations with the uh, uh, international bar association the uh, union internationale de avocats the european lawyers association uh, i was just uh, at the uh, the british um the bar which you know next year on october 6 is going to go to public ownership of law firms uh and what that means to our uh, our ethical uh considerations and uh they will be practicing in multidisciplinary uh what they call alternative business structures abss um, these are all things that the uh, uh, Ethics 2020 are looking at. Also, the question of outsourcing, uh, how and if outsourcing uh, should continue in certain parts of the world, uh, outsourcing uh, is actually illegal. That's a violation of the attorney-client privilege. And one of the thorny issues, issues that we are discussing in all these uh, meetings is uh, how the attorney-client privilege will be protected because it is vastly different in Europe than it is in the United States, for example. Also, discovery issues uh cloud computing uh and what happens in the breach of uh of uh, uh use of cloud computing which has already happened by the way um so ethics 2020 has uh, a broad range of issues that are going to be confronting us and that we have to talk about because um historically the best uh way of protecting um the ethics of our profession is person to person i mean if you if you practice in a small town uh with a couple dozen lawyers and a and you know a few judges um if you do something unethical you know everyone's going to know it and everybody is going to hold you um responsible but the anonymity of the internet where you have you know tens of millions of people uh Who you never meet using the internet uh to um, in a legal context is uh something that needs to be looked at and evaluated and um it's extremely important that we protect the ethics of the profession.
2: Those are good points. One one criticism I've heard of this commission, and, and I, I know we're running short on time, is that uh, you know if if you uh, if you look at that Facebook versus versus facelift divide, uh, some of the people who are on this commission uh, are, are probably on the uh, <laughs> a little closer <laughs> to the facelift side. I, nothing personal uh, meant there, but uh, the, you know somebody. Uh, I, I think I saw one one blogger perhaps write that they looked at the members of this commission and found. All, virtually none of them who have their own blogs or, you know, are active on Facebook or, or that kind of thing. Uh, is, is, there, is this commission doing anything to make sure that it gets, uh, you know, the voice of that Facebook generation uh, represented in its deliberations?
0: Well, I think that's how you started the question. And you said we're we're seeking comments. That's how yeah. this uh, all got going on the uh, right. uh, through the, through the blogs. And that's what we we're, this is not uh, being conducted in a in secret. This is being conducted publicly. Uh, and we want as much information from people who have opinions about this as possible. I should also point out that the board, the board of uh, governors of the ABA uh as well as the house of delegates which i just talked about has um representation from uh, uh the young lawyers uh from the young lawyers division of the american bar is a very very prominent and very active uh, part of the association uh their comments will be taken into consideration uh, it'll be fully debated within the house of delegates it'll be fully debated in the board of governors and we also have uh, uh law students uh, who, uh, law student division, which, uh, has representation on the ABA Board of Governors and in the House of Delegates.
2: We are, uh, thank you, we are just about at the end of our time now. Um, We always like to give our guests the final word, and uh, I guess at this point, throw it open to you uh, to talk about whatever you'd like. If there's anything else we didn't touch on, or if you want to sum up your concluding thoughts on anything we did touch on, well, uh, here's your chance. uh,
0: We have to uh, look at what happened in Iowa in the last couple of days and begin a very uh, serious national conversation about how important it is to uh, protect the fundamental liberties. Uh, There uh, were 16 other states that had similar types of attacks on the judiciary, and in those, they were not successful. But we've had initiatives, for example, in South Dakota called uh, Jail for Judges. Uh, This is a conversation that uh, has to concern anybody uh, who... Uh, b- believes in uh, you know our system of uh, laws and and protections of uh, our democracy. So that's a longer conversation for another day. But I want to to leave with that thought that uh, um, it is something that, uh, is no that, that the the person who sponsored it said it was a wake up call to the judiciary. Uh, I think it's a wake up call to our profession. Right.
2: Well, Stephen, Zach, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, I know that uh, you you squeezed us in uh, uh, on, a, on a tight schedule, and we really appreciate that. Uh, I know that uh, I would mention to our listeners that uh, – at abanet.org, the American Bar Association website there. If you go to abanet.org slash op, you get to the Office of the President page at, at the uh, ABA website, which has a, a whole listing of activities that you're involved in and, and what you're up to and more about you as well. Uh, is is there another uh, way for our listeners to follow up with you if they wish to do that? Uh,
0: you know, just call the ABA office and uh, pick up the phone, call the ABA office in Washington. I mean, either in Washington or in Chicago, um, either place and um I would uh, recommend you you could ask for pedro windsor uh who is uh one of my aides who works directly with me and uh those on the uh who are part of the uh you know facelift generation uh that don't want to send an email just pick up the phone
2: all right thanks a lot uh again, thanks for your time and uh that about does it for this week's episode of lawyer to lawyer a reminder to our listeners that all of our programs are available in archives at thelegaltalknetwork.com. We're also on iTunes in the podcast library. And you can get CLE credit for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer by going to legaltalknetwork.com and clicking on the West Legal Ed Center icon there, which will take you to the West Legal Ed Center and walk you through the process of listening to our programs and getting CLE credit. Uh, Craig will be back next week, we hope, and uh, we will be back next week with another great episode of Lawyer to Lawyer. Until then... We'll talk to you then. Thanks, Leslie.
1: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network.
2: The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis